Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Yes, she did. I'm telling you, everybody thinks that's an easy job. It's not an easy job. Let me tell you. Um, neither is this one. I'm like, I was getting ready for my for the sermon this week, and um, I think it's because what I'm preaching on today, and because um, we're gonna, I, I won't do a spoiler alert. I'll tell you in a minute, but um, I had some serious distractions and just getting into the word and um, just for it to come together. And then as I tell you what I'm preaching, you're probably gonna be like, "Well, that was the reason why." Uh, but we've been in an awesome sermon. I'm gonna move this, Miss Margaret, so I can see you, because you're my you're my little cheerleader over there. I got to see your precious face. All right. Um, So uh, we've been in the sermon series called Crazy. And we're not talking about like a bad crazy. We're talking about a good crazy. Um, We are talking about, thank you, Sarah, removing all distractions for me. That's great. Thank you. Um, So we've been talking about crazy for the past several weeks. And um, have you enjoyed the crazy sermon series? It's been good, hasn't it? Have you been crazy people of God since since we started this, right? God's called us to be crazy. And when I say crazy, it's a a good kind of crazy, okay? Uh, We've talked about crazy faith. First, I kicked it off with crazy faith first week. Um, Pastor Jason, man, the past two weeks has knocked it out of the park with crazy pray. Have you been doing some crazy pray? Because we got we to gotta be crazy prayers up in, the, up in the house today. And then last week he talked about crazy purpose. Well, today I'm going to talk about crazy peace. Crazy peace. Because we are called, we are called to be a people of crazy purpose. Peace. Um, I just want to remind you the definition of crazy, okay? The, cra- the, the, the definition we're focusing on um, with this sermon series is crazy means out of one's mind. So you can say, well, how is that, how can that be a good crazy? Well, it can be a good crazy because when we're children of God, we are called to be out of our mind and in the mind of Christ, Right? All right? So we're called to be crazy. Let me read you this scripture right here. It's 1 Corinthians 2.16. And by the way, I hope you have your Bibles today. Um, I sent the scriptures to Scott, and he sent back a text, and he said, Golly, Joy, that is a lot of scriptures. I'm glad I got here early so I could plug them all into the computer. And I, you know, I'm just like, Scott, I just preach the word. That's what I do. And uh, so I got lots of scriptures today. So, and I'm also usually preached to kids. And so, you know, in kids, we do Bible drills, right? I think adults need to do some Bible drills. I think we've gotten out of our Bible and we need to drill into the Bible. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to drill into the Bible. So 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, and we're talking about the mind of Christ. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. And here's another one, just in case you didn't, didn't believe that scripture. Here's a scripture in Romans 12, 2 that says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Can everybody say renew? 
renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay? Now, I, I'm, I like to study definitions of stuff every once in a while. Um, and so I was thinking, you know, what does that word renew mean? Because how can we renew our mind? And so I looked up in um, the Strong's Concordance what this word means in the original Greek. Okay, this was really cool. So the definition of the Greek word, I'm not going to um, be real scholarly and try to pronounce the Greek word. I'm just going to tell you what the definition is. Okay, you can go and you can Google how to word because it was like 20 letters long, okay? But I am going to tell you what it means in the original Greek. So the word renew means renovate, okay? So when we renew our mind and we say we have the mind of Christ, and I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but I'm going to be transformed by Jesus Christ, then that means he comes in and we allow him to renovate our mind. Can I tell you about some renovation? Because over the past five years, we have a house in Montgomery, and we've been trying to renovate our house, okay? It started out really, really bad. Like there was, we had to tear the carpet out. Chris, Chris Brady helped us with it. And man, it was, it was a process. And we were renovating this house so we could put it on the market to sell. Well, things would come up and we'd not be able to finish it. Things would come up and we'd not be able to finish it. And we were just renovated this thing. Can I tell you that when we first went in there to renovate it, it stunk, right? Because it had a 20-year-old carpet in it. There had been some leaks and some floods and all that kind of stuff. It was stinky, right? Heath knows. Heath Heath actually helped us pull the carpet out. And it was in bad shape. We had to replace toilets. We had to paint walls. We had to do all kinds of things to renovate this house. Have you ever been in a renovation process? Sometimes it's just not fun, is it? All right. But we renovated this house. And I want to, can I just give God some praise right here? But we renovated our house and we just kept worrying about selling it. Man, we got to get this house sold. We got to get it done. We got to get it sold. Things would just come up. Life things happened and we just weren't able to get it done. I got sick. Uh, Dad got sick. You know, we lost, uh, had some losses this year, and it just, it just really, really just pushed us out. Well, we were able to finish our renovation this past couple of weeks, and we put it on the market, and within 48 hours, we had 14 offers, and we were able to settle on an offer that was $12,000 more than what we were asking for it. So isn't that isn't God good? Okay, so when we allow him to help us win our, with our renovation, it's going to be the perfect timing, the perfect place, and it's going to provide more than you could ever ask for or need. So we need God to come in and renew our minds and renovate us, right? Okay, so you're going to ask Joy, now how is, I'm fixing to take you on a journey, okay? I'm taking you on a journey. I'm going to start you off with some crazy scriptures. And you're going to wonder how in the world are we getting a crazy piece. But I promise you, we're going to get there, okay? All right. So, um, so just looking at this, and, and I want to tell you that, that once we finished our renovation, our house looked different. Our house smelled different. Our house was a different house. It totally was. Like you can see pictures of, we had pictures of before and after. We should have. Man, we should have. But the before and the after looks totally different. 
That is what Christ wants to do for us. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Renovated, right? All right. So the Lord wants our thinking to be renovated so that we look different, act different, sound different. Be a different people. So we're gonna, he's going to take us on a renovation today. Are you ready? Ready for the renovation. All right, we're going to go back to the beginning. And we're going to allow the Lord to help us get rid of the old and get the new and have some crazy peace. All right, Scott, we're going to start in Genesis. I said beginning, so we're going to start in Genesis. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna wonder where I'm going, but just hang with me, okay? Let's read Genesis 1, 1 through 3, because we're going to go back to the beginning. Because this is truly, truly how God intended us to live. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to have a hard time because I could preach every single word of the scripture. So I'm just going to move through it. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I read this scripture a a couple of days ago, and I saw me right there. I saw me. I saw that once I was formless and empty and there was darkness. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And in one simple statement... God said, let there be, and there was. That's what happened to us. That's what happened to us. In John 1, 1 through 5, read this. Check this out. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who are we talking about? Jesus Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Aren't we thankful for in the beginning there was God? In the beginning, and then there was, there was nothing, there was darkness, there was emptiness, there was void, and God spoke, and there was light. So then in creation, God continues to speak things into existence, okay? So we, we, we started off with he spoke light. He just starts speaking, Miss Carol, and the trees come up. He said, let there be land and Let the skies and the waters separate, and he speaks, and it happens. He speaks, and the trees bear fruit. Everything is obeying the voice of God. The Bible says, God said, and it was so. And can I tell you today that God still says, and it is so. You read your Bible, and what he has says, said, it is so. Come on. 
And so this continues for five days. God's speaking and creation is obeying. And, and then he creates man. All right, so let's go to Genesis 1.26. And this is something really cool that just really, I, I know some of the preachers in the house, this, this has stood out to you, but this just really stood out to me. And I kind of got just like a visual of how this was happening here. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So I just got a kind of a visual, and I'm not saying it, this, the word does not say this, okay? This is just something that God kind of dropped in my heart, that this was, this was a cool, like, possible visual that, that could have been. But it was like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit got together. And then God said, let us. He didn't say that about anything else except man. Now, you know Jesus was there, the Holy Spirit was there, but it's like God called a special meeting, and he said, come on. We let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And when God created man, like I said, he had a meeting with the Son, a meeting with the Holy Spirit. And he said, let us make man in our, in our image. And in Genesis 2, 7, he says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. Had he done that with anything else? Had he done that with the birds? Did he do that with the monkeys? No. No. Did he do that with the fish, with the lions? No. He got down and got dirty, and he said, Let's form, I'm going to form the man from the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into his nostrils. The breath of life. And the man became a living being. Nothing else in creation. Just the man. That's the breath of God. The only part of creation to receive the breath of God was man. And every part of the creation came to being. Every other part of creation came to being with the spoken word of God. And when God created us, he spoke his word. He put his fingerprint on us, and he gave us breath. I think that makes us pretty special, doesn't it? And so from the beginning, here's God's declaration over you. I'm going to say you. It's a God's declaration over me. It's God's declaration over us. He says, I formed you. He says, I designed you. He says, you belong Maybe you felt like you were an outcast all your life, and God's saying to you today, you belong. Maybe you've never truly felt like you were somebody's. Well, God says today, you are mine. Your future is with me. And then the Bible says in Genesis 131, it says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And after he made man, the only time he said this very good was after he created man. So can I tell you today that God stands back and looks at you and he sees very good he sees you as his creation, and he says, I see you as very good. And then in Genesis 2, 8, here's the fun stuff, okay? God plants a garden, 
and puts man in it. And let me tell you, the garden is beautiful. Okay, I'm going to read you a scripture just of a, de- of a description. It's Genesis 2.9. And it describes the garden as this. It says, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. We love trees, right? Nothing more beautiful than the changing of fall leaves happening right now, right? The oranges, the yellows, the, the rust color. I mean, it's beautiful. And God did that for us. He, he made all kinds of trees out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then it goes on to, to describe the garden. It says there was good food there. God knew we would love to eat, so he put good food there. And it was probably really good for our bodies, and we didn't get fat and unhealthy from it, but it just tasted as good as a Big Mac, you know, or just as good as what your fa- a steak and baked potato, you know. But it was probably just the best food that you could probably ever, ever have eaten. And he puts good food in the garden for man. It was pleasant to look at. How many of you guys love to go to the beach and just look at God's creation? Yes, me too. Or go to the mountains and look at God's creation. Or the sunsets that we've been having over the past couple of weeks. Fall sunsets are the prettiest. And that is God's creation, and he did that just for us. And then there were rivers in the garden that were flowing in every direction. And there was even one river flowing to a place where there was gold and onyx. Telling you, this place was paradise. It was beautiful. It was the place that we wanted to be. It was full of the presence of God. And you know that Adam and Eve were experiencing some crazy peace in this garden, right? They had never, ever experienced anything else but peace. Can you imagine that? There was no heartache, no death, nothing but God's presence and God's peace. Why would anybody want to leave the garden? And why wouldn't you just want to live in the garden that God had planted? So Genesis 2, 15 through 18 says this. The Lord God, Scott, you are on it. Can I just tell you right now, you are, you are like reading my mind before I even go there. You're doing so good today. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are, to, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Um, except the 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 tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did I give you those too, Scott? Are we there? 17. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God makes a woman, and the Bible says in verse 225, Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. So here in the garden, there was it was, there was food, there was plenty, and there was peace. There was no shame. So I want to give you one, two, three, four Ps that they had in the garden. They had purpose. God said, you just, all you have to do is just work the garden, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be good. It's not going to be, you're not going to sweat. There's not going to be briars. There's not going to be any of that. Your purpose is to work the garden, name the animals, and just have fun. Just enjoy the garden. And then there was provision. God had provided everything they needed in the garden. And there was protection. Don't you know they were protected 
by God's peace and God's presence. And then there was peace. Crazy peace. But as we know, and as we're going to read here in a few minutes, now remember, we're going on a journey. We're going to get to crazy peace and how, it, how, how we can live it, okay? I just want you to, I want to establish what the garden was. Genesis 3, 1 through 10 says this, and I'm going to roll through this really quick so I can get to the crazy piece. But I just want you to see this and how it has affected us. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. A lot of people, a lot of my kids will say, why did he make them? (laughs) And today we still hate snakes. (laughs) We don't like them. Still crafty. Still Enemy still kills, steals, and destroys, doesn't he? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, oh, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God, did, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. And then the serpent so using his crafty ways and deceptive ways he said, and coming against the word of God. And that's what he still does today, coming against the word of God. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Now, didn't we just read? That God had put every tree in the garden that was good and pleasing to the eye and produced food. Did we not just read that? Didn't we read that? So see how the enemy just kind of warped her thinking and, and used her, her thoughts to say, this, I've got to have this tree. I've got to have it. And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. What do you think that sounded like? Like, obviously, the word says that the Lord had a sound as he moved through the garden. And to me, right here, it looks like as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, that he probably did this every day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And so from here we know, and I won't finish the story because you guys know it, but I just wanted to tell you what the garden was like and why we are there no longer. So Adam and Eve are cast from the garden. From the goodness and the perfect plan and the perfect will and the presence of God. Things that they had, what they had known from their very first breath. No longer are they in the garden. Can I tell you today that we were created to live in the garden? We were created to live in the garden. And 
Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. Every human heart has a desire to return to the garden. It doesn't matter if there's someone on death row. It doesn't matter if it's a little kid here at Life Change Church, back there in in kids' church. It doesn't matter who you are. The eternity has been placed in the heart of every heart of every man, woman, child. Eternity is in our heart. It's really what we desire. We desire to go back to the garden and live with the Lord forever. Some people just need to wake up. God's plan from the beginning, as the Spirit was hovering over the void and the darkness, was to send the light of the world to the darkness. And can I tell you today that the darkness still cannot overcome the light of the world? The light of Jesus Christ shines brighter today than it ever has. And he's shining a beacon to all who will come, all who will say, I need that light. Call me out of darkness and into the marvelous light. And God is still shining that light today. And God's crazy plan for us to return to the garden was to send his one and only son, Jesus. Can I tell you this, though? And I want you to picture Jesus. Because he's in the garden Enjoying the presence of the Father, the communion with the Holy Spirit. And the three of them are in the garden and in heaven, and and they're enjoying what God created for them to enjoy. And he gets the call from the Father. And Jesus leaves the garden to come and save us. But can I tell you that the garden didn't leave him The garden didn't leave him. Jesus was able to walk on earth in perfect peace because he didn't let the presence of the garden leave him. Does that make sense? He stepped out of the physical garden, but the time that he had spent in the garden with the Father and everything that was, that was uh, put inside of him, the, the, the garden's presence did not leave him. And that's why in Scripture, where do we often find Jesus? Where do we find him? The garden. He goes to the mountainside to pray. And at the most pivotal point in his ministry, when he's about to be handed over to be crucified, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pour out his heart. And then I was reading this morning, this this wasn't even in my notes, but I was reading about the garden. And if you'll remember... When Jesus rose from the dead, and he's, he's, um, Mary is at the tomb, and she's weeping, and she's crying, and, and Jesus just appears to her. And who does she think he is? The gardener. She thinks he's the gardener. That's because Jesus never let the garden come out of him, let, never let the garden leave him. He was always in the garden. And not only did he seek out the garden to spend time with the Lord, but the scent of the garden stayed on him. And when he walked in a room 
or on a boat. He brought healing. He brought peace. He brought redemption. He brought restoration. That's because the garden was just following him. And I've got some good news to tell you today. You want to hear some good news? Because don't you miss the garden? Remember, we're created to live in the garden. But because of Jesus' work on the cross, we now have been brought back to the garden. I want to read you Ephesians 2. Underline it, highlight it, memorize it, write it on your forehead, put it in your house. That's what the Bible says to do, right? And this is talking, it's starting off, it's talking about um, Jews and Gentiles coming together and there not be any hostility. Um, but let's, let's look at it from our, our, our crazy peace stand, standpoint. And this is Ephesians 2, 12, and we're going to read through 18. But it says, remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. Do you remember that time? Remember the time when you were separate, separated from Christ? You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. It's darkness. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. He's saying Gotcha. You're coming back to the garden. You're coming back to the garden. You're going to have that garden living because of Jesus Christ. And so now that we were created to live in the garden and Jesus has made a way for us to live in the garden here on earth, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven, though it's going to be multiplied and, and awesome and powerful and excited and waiting for that day because Jesus is coming back. And I'm a child of God. I'm going to be there. I hope you are too. You can be today. In the garden. But here's what I want to tell you. In the garden, we can live in the garden here on earth. Because Jesus has made the way for us too. Let me tell you about the garden. Because in the garden, the environment is just right for fruit. And not just any fruit. Remember in Genesis, right? We talked about... It said that the garden was full of all kinds of trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for, the, good for food. So it makes sense that when we're living the garden of life, that the good fruit is growing in our lives. So you guys know, probably know where I'm going with this next scripture. But let's go to Galatians 5, 22 through 20, 25. But the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, forbearance. What version is that, Scott? New NIV? Patience. We don't know what forbearance is, but we know what patience is. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want those fruits growing in my life because they're pleasing to the eye and good to eat. And there's so many of these that we could talk about, but I'm going to focus on the peace today. All right, now we're going to get to crazy peace. Was that a good, that was a good setup, right? We're getting to crazy peace, and I've got, I've got three ways to keep crazy peace, if I can say it, three ways to keep crazy peace growing in your garden. You ready to get there? All right, but not just any peace, okay? We're not talking about just any, any little, little peace because the world can't give it, and the world can't take my peace away, Right? This is crazy Jesus peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Now, these have got some really important words in it. Because we deal with this. Or I don't, I'm not going to put you in the category, but I'm going to put me there. And then maybe you can be like, you know, you can say, okay, yeah, Joy, I agree with that. But I'm anxious on a daily basis. Anybody else ever, ever be anxious? <laughs> okay, guess what the Word of God says? Do not be anxious about anything. Does that exclude anything? No. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about your finances. Don't be anxious about your relationships. Don't be anxious about your stove blowing up. Okay? Don't be anxious about your car breaking down. Don't be anxious about your children not acting right. Don't be anxious about your health. Don't be, I mean, the list could go on and on because we're all anxious about different things, from little things to big things. But right here, if I'm, I'm not a very good um, person, uh, a grammar person, um, but I do study definitions, but pretty much this word anything, it is what it is. It pretty much includes anything you could possibly be anxious for. The Bible is saying do not be anxious about it. But in every situation, the Bible don't just leave you hanging there with your anxiety and just commanding you not to be anxious. But it's given you the tools to overcome the anxiety. But in every situation by prayer and petition with, Lord, thank you that my finances are going to be touched by you. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bill next week, but I give you thanks and I'm not going to be anxious. How hard is that to do? Hard, but the Bible tells us to do it. You want garden living? This is garden living right here. Present your request to God. Seven might be my favorite scripture in the Bible. I'm going to pull a Pastor Jason. My favorite. And the peace of God which transcends all 
understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but this right here transcends all understanding sounds like crazy peace. It's like when things happen to you, Miss Margaret, like I'm just going to share a story. This is, this is when I realized God's crazy peace for the very first time because I had a really great life growing up. It was blessed. And I, like, I'd pray, and God would answer my prayers. Like, I remember as a little kid, probably about 12 years old, and um, our family were going, this was just minor, okay? I'm just telling and sharing this with you, but it's minor. But God is in the minor things as well as the major, right? He's in the minor leagues and the major leagues. I was 12 years old, and um, my dad had lost his job, and our finances were tight. And there was this time where we were, and I, <clears throat> Elizabeth, this is, you're going to relate to this, but mom would make me wash dishes, okay? She teaching us responsibility. I hated washing dishes. But there was, at this point in our, time, in our life, as a 12-year-old, um, we didn't have dish rags. And we were, like, at the point where I felt like we couldn't afford it because dad didn't have a job. Now, that might not have been the truth, but that was what I thought as a 12-year-old kid, okay? And I prayed for dish rags. It's like, Lord, we need some dish rags. I, you know, I hate washing dishes, but I sure would like to dry some, you know, be able to dry them. I didn't say that, but that was pretty funny. Um, and I did, but I, this is for real. Like, I, this story is true. I might be embellishing it a little bit, but, but what God did was true. And I prayed for dish rags. And within the next couple of days, one of our family members, I mean, they didn't do this because they, they knew we needed dish rags. They were cleaning out their linen closet. And they brought bags and bags of dish rags to our house. And God answered the prayer about dish rags. Okay? So this is kind of the experience I had. Through. I was a prayer. I prayed. I just prayed. As a kid, I just prayed. And so then, as an adult, you know, I just think God's going to just do it every time. You know, he's going he's to answer every time. Then as an adult, Jason and I get married, and um, we expect our first baby. And, man, we were so excited, and it's just great, you know, and you go to that first ultrasound, and, and it, just, it just wasn't meant to be. And I prayed, and I said, God, you know, you're going to heal. You're going to bring life, and, and it just didn't happen. And the very first time in my life where I experienced crazy peace, because can I tell you, God was preparing me for that. And as you respond to troubles in your life, like garden living, that crazy peace comes easy sometimes. And that crazy peace transcends all understanding, and we were able to walk through that with peace. That was the very first time. And then since then, there's been multiple times that God has come in with his peace that surpasses all understanding. It's what happens when you're walking in the garden. It's what happens when you're spending time with the Father. It gets inside of you. Now, I'm not saying I do it all the time. Because I did say this when I first started. I deal with this on a daily basis. Sometimes hourly. Okay? But the help of the Father is there. And he's given us the steps to take. And it is possible. All right. Now. 
2 Thessalonians 3.16, and we're fixing to get to the three points, okay? I know, I know you note takers have written, already written your numbers down, okay? I have not forgotten them, all right? Uh, that's, that's the kind of note taker I am. I'm like, she said three points, one, two, three. I'm fixing to write them down, okay? All right, but I do want to read you this scripture, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, because this is so powerful. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. You receive that? You receive that? All right, so three ways to keep crazy peace growing in your garden. You all right? You good? Everybody good? You want to hear them? Okay. Three ways to keep crazy peace growing in your garden. All right, number one, God's presence. As we look back in Genesis, in the cool of the evening, God would walk through the garden and he would talk with Adam. We have to spend time with the Father. We have to. Like, it is a necessity. Because it's time with the Father and with praying and praise and reading his word and talking with him, with him and allowing him to speak to us. You know, you'd ever know a non-pauser, like you're talking to somebody and they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And then like they say something interesting and you're like, oh, I, and you can't get a word in, right? You, I, maybe I've only experienced that one person one time, but maybe some other people have experienced. Okay. All right. Don't be a non-pauser. Pray. Talk to God. But then stop and listen because he talks to you. It's spending time with the Father in God's presence in the garden. It's what Jesus did. It's what we're to do, okay? All right, so number one, ways to keep crazy peace growing in your garden is God's presence. Number two, God's people. What? God's people? Really? Colossians 3.15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Who is that one body? The church. And as the people of God, we are called to peace. Therefore, when we are together, peace should be ruling our hearts. And when we pray for one another, our peace is strengthened. You ever around somebody that's anxious, like all the time? Does that make you anxious? It makes me anxious. Or you're watching TV or you're watching the news and it makes you anxious. Or you're like looking at the future of what the future might be because the news people are saying this is the future and it makes you anxious. Or you're looking at our government and you're like, oh, man, that makes, it, that makes me anxious. Can I tell you, when you disconnect from some of the voices that you're listening to, and listen to the people of God and the word of God. And as people of God, we need to make sure we're proclaiming peace. And we need, we need to be encouraging. Now, we're not to live with our heads in the sand. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying as things are happening around in our world, we're not going to be anxious. We are going to be the people of peace. And so one of the ways that you can stay in the garden and keep that crazy peace is surround yourself with people of God. And I'm proud of you guys today because you're here 
in church with the people of God, hearing this word together. And you see, as Miss Julie hears it, and as Chris hears it, and as Ricky hears it, and as Heather hears it, we're all hearing about the peace of God, and we're strengthened together. And if you're not here, you're not strengthened. Mm, Come on. The anointing of Pastor Jason just came on me right there. All right, number three, God's perfect peace. And I'm going to explain this one to you. Isaiah 26, 3 says this. Whew, this is another one we need to memorize right here. This might be my next favorite verse. <laughs> I just need coffee, and then I have a coffee break. And I would just be, you know, it would just be like Pastor Jason was right here with us. You will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. All right, let's go over this verse really quick. Quick, I've got two, two points for this, and then we're going to be done. All right, so God's perfect peace comes with two conditions. Can I, can I, can I spell it out for you? Okay, the first one is a steadfast mind right? All right, again, I look up definitions, okay? We're, we have to make sure that we're thinking on the garden-worthy thoughts. Can I say that again? Okay, we have to make sure that our thought life is garden-worthy. I didn't get the scripture down, but you know the scripture that says, think on things that are lovely, that are true, that are noble, that are trustworthy. You know that scripture, okay? We've got to make sure that our thoughts are garden worthy because our thoughts can lead us to anxiety and our thoughts can lead us to fear and our thoughts can lead us to doubt and our thoughts can just lead us. And we don't want our thoughts leading us. We want the power of the Holy Spirit and being spirit-led, right? We don't want to be led by our thoughts. We don't want to be led by our feelings. We don't want to be led by our emotions. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's what happens in the garden. In the garden, the Holy Spirit is there just talking to you, communing with you, and leading you. That's the way we need to live our lives. If we let our minds wander into imaginations, I was, can I tell this mom? Okay, I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> we were talking the other day um, just about some, you know, some ang- ang- anxious kind of things. And I said, you know, Mom, me and you have really good imaginations. Like, God has gifted us with very good imaginations. And we can imagine really good things, and we can imagine really bad things. And we can be led by our imaginations. Like things that you imagine that really aren't there. Like you can be led by that. And that's not the truth. Even though in our imaginations, man, it's like, wow. But we can't be led by that. And we can't be led by what ifs. How many of you guys do this? Like what if this happens? Or what if this happens? Or this, what if this really happens right here? What ifs? are not definite. (laughs) They're part of your imaginations. And the enemy likes to work in the imaginations and the what-ifs. As a matter of fact, I think there's a scripture verse that says, cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. So those imaginations have to bow to the knee of Jesus. So when you start thinking, 
when you start thinking about the what ifs and you start thinking about the, the bad and the, oh, this is going to happen and, oh, I can picture it happening just like this, you've got to say, uh-uh. You've got to bow to the knee of Jesus Christ. You've got to bow your knee to the, to the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so the opposite of steadfast is faithless. Can I say that again? The opposite of steadfast, like we're talking about our steadfast mind, like God wants us to have a steadfast mind. The opposite of that is faithless. So if your mind is not steadfast, that means it's faithless. It means it's without faith. And I don't know about you, but I want him to keep me in perfect peace. So I want my mind to be steadfast. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to renovate our mind. If it, heaven forbid it takes five years. Because the Holy Spirit can do instantaneous work. But a lot of times it takes yielding and yielding again and yielding again. Picking up that anxious thought putting it down, picking it back up, putting it down, and yielding to the Holy Spirit. And then the second condition of perfect peace trust. We have to wholeheartedly trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And when we are walking in the garden with God, don't we truly completely trust him. Distrust only came when sin separated. So I'm going to end with this because this is where I am a lot. And I feel like if I'm there, maybe some of you guys can be there too. So if we're not walking in peace, then what are we walking in? Fear? So this is what I wrote down, and maybe you want to write this down too just so you can be reminded of this. But fear is literally saying to the Lord, like you could, it's, you might think it in your thoughts, but it would be just the same as saying it right out loud to him. But it's saying to the Lord, Lord, you are not big enough to handle what I'm going through. Would you say that out loud to the Lord? But isn't that what fear is? When you take it and you grasp it and it becomes part of who you are, you're telling God he's not big enough to handle what you're going through. And I want to tell you today that God's grace is sufficient and that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And he is big enough to handle, handle the minor and the major. All right, here's a good reminder. Joshua 1.9 says this. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a good reminder because God is with us. And this right here is garden living. You know those, those uh, decals that people put on their um, cars that say lake living or lake life? 
right? Have you seen those? Or beach life, living the beach. Yeah, yeah. I want to be, I want to do garden life. I'm living the garden life. And this is remembering that God is with me. He is trustworthy. His peace is sufficient for every worry and anxiety I go through. And so today, I want to ask you, can we choose never to leave the garden and to allow our time spent there to change the way we walk, the way we talk, and the way we think? And can we produce the crazy peace that God wants to produce in our lives? And then as we choose this, then the Bible says, as we put on the armor of God, what's on our feet? Peace. And so that means everywhere I go, peace is going with me. And it's the gospel of peace. And so that means everyone around me is going to be impacted by the peace of God that reigns in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, That maybe, just maybe when people experience that flowing out of your life, they're going to taste it and they're going to see that God is good and they're going to want it. So can we be people of crazy peace? I'm just going to end with prayer and just allow the Holy Spirit to lead because as I've been giving you a ton of scriptures, as Scott said this morning. The word of God is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I know that maybe one or it could have been two or it could have been all 20 of them spoke to your heart this morning. And the Holy Spirit wants to use his word today to cut away some of the fear and the anxiety, and the doubt, and the worry. And he wants to tell you today that you can walk in perfect peace. Some of you might think, oh, my mind has just been faithless, and I needed it to be steadfast. The Holy Spirit saying, I can do that today. Or maybe you would say today, I just have not been able to trust God completely. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I can help you with your trust today. Or maybe you have just, and this is, I say this because this is what I do sometimes. I waller around in my anxiety and I embrace it and it just torments. And today, the Holy Spirit wants to free us from that. We are called to live in the garden. And in the garden, there is crazy, perfect peace. So I'm going to do this just a couple of different ways with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're struggling with walking in peace today, can you raise your hand? I see those hands. I see those hands. Yes, I see those hands. And if you would say today, Lord, my mind needs to be renewed. 
My thoughts have taken over. And I need you to renovate my mind today. If that's you, just admit it to the Lord today. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see them. But most importantly, God sees them. And so I'm just going to ask you to take a step of faith because sometimes we're just standing in the background and we say, okay, I'm going to raise my hand and then it's going to be okay. But sometimes we just need to take a step and say, I'm going to run to the garden and I'm going to stay there and not leave. And sometimes we have to publicly do that <laughs> because we need that moment in our mind and our hearts that when the enemy comes and says, oh, you didn't really receive this, you didn't really, this didn't really happen, then you can take them back to the moment that you made that public declaration and said, you know what, I'm living in the garden. I'm not going to let anxiety rule my heart. So if you would just like to make that public declaration today and allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart just as you come, I'm inviting you to come. So just come if that's you today and you say, I need the Holy Spirit to work on my heart today. Lord, I want crazy peace. I want that peace that transcends all understanding. And he's going to meet you as you come. And I'm going to pray for you guys as you, as you come. But I also want to offer to anyone out here or anyone that's online or anyone that's listening to a podcast maybe later on, I want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you've never, ever have met the Prince of Peace. And today he is calling you. He's calling you by name. And so if you would like for the Prince of Peace to come into your heart and save you today, can I tell you, he still leaves the 99 and comes after you. So if you're here in the building or if you're watching online or if you're listening to the podcast and you want Jesus to come into your heart and just bring you that perfect peace, can you raise your hand in the house? Or maybe you're online and listening. I'm just going to pray for you. Let's pray for those who need Jesus in their life and then let's pray for for these who have responded to the Holy Spirit this morning. Can you just repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for bringing me near. I was once far away, but you're bringing me near today. Come into my heart. Change my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can you reach your hands out to these that have come up front and let's pray for them and let's pray for peace. Church, can you just join and pray for Miss Deborah? Her, her grandson is leaving on a missions trip to Nicaragua. He's going to be gone for eight days. 
And this grandmama has, has been anxious. And so we want to pray for perfect peace. And we want to pray for protection over Jackson. And so, Father, right now we pray. We pray for Jackson, Lord, as he gets ready to fly. Lord, we thank you that you have ordained the pilot. You've ordained the staff that are going to be on this plane. Lord, as he flies, he's going to be protected and safe. Lord, as he lands, he's going to have favor, and he's going to have people that will watch out for him. And, Father, we just thank you that you are with him. Lord, your word promises that you never leave us or forsake us. And, Father, we pray this for Jackson right now, Lord, that you're with him as he ministers and brings your gospel to these people, Lord. Thank you for the call of God on his life, Lord. We thank you that, Lord, as parents and grandparents, it's hard to release our, our babies to go into ministry sometimes because that means they might, they might leave and go faraway places. But, Lord, we just release him to your hands, and we thank you that you're going to be with him. And you're going to bring peace to Miss Deborah. You're going to bring peace to Ashley and Jason. And we thank you for your perfect peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And so, Father, we just pray for everyone who responded to your Holy Spirit. Pray for peace. We pray that peace surpasses all understanding will flood these hearts and minds in Jesus' name. We thank you that the enemy cannot play with these thoughts anymore. Lord, we just thank you that your thoughts, garden-worthy thoughts, become evident in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for Jackie. Lord, I just thank you that you just touch her. Bring perfect peace to her, Lord Jesus. Any worry, anxiety, God, we just thank you that it's gone in Jesus' name. That whatever is concerning her, Lord, that she'll turn it over to you. And she'll see you move mightily and bring perfect peace in the midst. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, just pray for peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray for Tyler, Lord, that you would just give him perfect peace. Lord, the heavy burdens are just going to roll off of his shoulders. Tyler, the Lord says, no more, son. You can't carry it anymore. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So just let it roll off your shoulders and onto mine because mine truly are big enough to hold it. And I can handle it. You don't have to. Just let me be your way maker. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for peace and surrender. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Can you just lift your hands to the Lord this morning? And can I just pray a blessing of peace over you today? Father, we thank you for your crazy peace. Lord, when people walked in here today, maybe this was just, this wasn't even on their radar. But Lord, we know we all need your peace, especially in this world that seems so crazy. But it's not absent of your peace. Matter of fact, we are the carriers of your peace. And so, Father, we as Christians and as people of God, Lord, we take on the mantle of being peace barriers that every peace carriers and everywhere we go, 
Lord, whether it's our job or whether it's our whether we're at school or whether um, it's in in church or or at Walmart or <laughs> in the McDonald's drive-through, Lord, we thank you that you help us be carriers of peace and not just any little old peace that looks small, but Lord, crazy peace. And so today, Life Change Church, I bless you. I pray that the Lord blesses you and keeps you and causes his face to shine upon you and give you rest and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we go this week and just live in crazy peace? Come on, you better. You better do it. You better. After hearing about the garden, don't you just want to live there? That's where I want to be because that's where the Father is. Amen. Amen.